My name is Jonathan Bryant. I am the host of the Edge of the Airy podcast. I have the privilege of serving as the Chief Administrator of Lincoln Charter. The purpose of this podcast is to highlight some of our amazing staff and stakeholders that are with us at Lincoln Charter and to share the college experiences of our guests in the course of our conversation. We all know that college preparation is the goal of Lincoln Charter. It's important to know that I'm a former middle school social studies teacher, so I'm always interested in getting to know others better, sharing compelling stories, learning from the past, and finding out more about the individuals that make Lincoln Charter a great school and an amazing community. So where does Edge of the Airy come from? You likely know that an eagle's nest is an airy, which obviously has significant meaning for our eagle nation. I intend for this podcast to give you a perspective from the Lincoln Charter community. Therefore, each episode will come to you from the edge of the Aerie. As you likely know, Lincoln Charter is one of the oldest and largest public charter schools in North Carolina. We were founded in 1998, and we have a K-12 campus in Lincolnton and in Denver. So let's get to today's guest. Today, I'm very excited to be speaking with... Miss Deb Harkey. Uh, Miss Harkey is a recent employee for us, but it feels to me like she's been around for a very, very long time. And so, Miss Harkey, welcome to Edge of the Area. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. Tell me, so you, I, I said that you're a recent employee. You came to us as a long-term sub of some sort. Yes. And... We ended up loving you so much that we put you in a long-term contract. Thank you. And um, to uh, remind me again what year that was. I'm 2019. 2019. Okay. So um, you've been able to work here through the pandemic and all of the, the excitingness that that was and um, some normalcy this year. So um, we're very excited to have you as, on staff. It's great to be here. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, what sort of, why you are the person that you are today? Okay. I am number five of six children, so I come from a very large family, so family is very important to me. Mm -hmm. Um, A little bit of my background, I attended Lincoln County Schools, and I live in Lincoln County a complete lifetime of being here, so I know a lot of the families and, you know, a lot of the history that surrounds Lincoln County. Right. my background, um, I was a high school dropout, and I think that makes me more passionate as far as keeping other students from feeling like that was the only option they have, mm-hmm. and also why I'm such a strong advocate for attending college and getting your education. Mm-hmm. So I feel like I lost some along the way, but it also was a great lesson for me to be able to share with other students that might feel like that's the only choice they have, because mm-hmm. there's always other choices. Right. And so as a counselor, I like to think I can offer those other choices. Uh, some of my interests, I love to read. I'm an avid reader. I really like to um, learn about other countries and other people and how people live and what makes them tick. I love to fish. That's my favorite thing to do. We have a pond on our farm, mm-hmm. but I also love going to the Outer Banks and surf fishing and things like that. Um, I think my passion would be child advocacy and social justice. And a lot of that is because of experiences I've had while I was growing up. Awesome. 
So tell me a little bit about the high school dropout. What what sort of precipitated that and what lessons did you learn from that? First, I'd like to tell you what student I was before I dropped out. I was mm -hmm. an A student. I was the uh, class president. I was captain of the rifle guard on band. I was a cheerleader. I was actively involved. Everything that I could do, I loved school. Very passionate about being at school. None of that surprises me. <laughs> Thank you. Well, I absolutely love the structure of it. And in my mind, it's more like a homeschool than it is like a schoolhouse. So mm -hmm. it's more of a school home. Mm -hmm. So for me, there was structure. I knew what to expect, and I had some amazing teachers. So it, it was great for me to go. But during that time, I come from poverty. Mm -hmm. My parents separated and went two different directions and did not take the children. So I was basically homeless. And so I bounced from older sibling to older sibling. And during that time, I was in a relationship mm -hmm. with uh, the man I'm married to today. And in our lack of wisdom, we decided that getting married would be the best thing to do. And that way, at least have a home. Mm -hmm. So that was a choice I made. And then the, the guidance counselor then said, I feel like you need to um, withdraw because you are setting a bad example because where I had been like a leader in the past, now I'm married and in high school. And so uh, I think maybe I was um, so sad that I didn't feel like attending like I should have. So my attendance, you know, mm -hmm. began to suffer. And so I went ahead and quit school. And I say that it was the worst decision I ever made, but at the time it felt like the only choice I could make. So with that said, uh, my husband said, you're not going to go without a high school diploma. So Gaston College rescued me. They allowed me to get a GED. My scores were high, high enough that I didn't even take classes. I just took the test and made 99s on everything. Right. And so they had me go ahead and go into Gaston College, and I earned my associate's degree there. And so from there, the momentum continued. Mm -hmm. I uh, decided that I first my first job was actually in law enforcement because I was approached about working with women and children. So I worked as a detective for um, crimes against women and children. And during that time, I felt like I would rather get with those families and be able to work with those children before these things occurred and to help them afterwards, because it seemed like their their life was destroyed and it carried over into their adulthood. So at that point, I began to get interested in being a counselor. So again, my husband said, go back to school. So I went back to school to Belmont Abbey and um, got my undergrad in childhood education, or K through six, and taught sixth grade for six years, absolutely loved it. Still found myself talking with the students. They would bring their problems to me. And I felt that connection with the students as though they trusted me. And I thought that the best thing I could do then would be to get a degree in counseling so that I was doing it you know, the right way. And so I went to Gardner-Webb and got my master's in school counseling. And I continued to work at uh, the same school for three years after that. And then I got, I was, uh, Counselor of the Year in 2006, and they invited awesome. me to, thank you, they invited me to go to um, Asbury Alternative, and I felt like that was a great challenge for me, and I could do more counseling as far as the social justice end of it and being more of a child advocate, and so I was there for 11 years, and I retired from Asbury because of my husband's sickness, and my mother has Alzheimer's, and she mm -hmm. was living with me. But I wasn't quite finished yet. I still felt like <laughs> I had more to give, but family comes first. So I took care of my family until they were at a good point. And then I began subbing. 
So in 2018, I came here and subbed for both the counselors. And then I worked a year as the interventionist. And finally, my dream job came open, and that was mm-hmm. to be a, a counselor at the Lincoln Charter School. And we're, so I'm not sure if this aligns perfectly, but I think there was a shirt that you wore. Yes, sir. This Was it during college week? Yes, sir, um, it was. So we did a... Let's give everybody a little bit of a context on that. So you were supposed to dress up like the career you'd like. Right. And so I had a... And this was 2018? Yes, sir, it was. Right. And so I took a red t-shirt and had counselor at Lincoln Charter School put on it and wore it into your office, (laughs) just in case you would have missed it being a red t-shirt. Right. Yes, absolutely. So I was definitely promoting myself probably shamelessly self-advocacy yes sir but once I worked at Lincoln Charter School for just a little while I knew this was my people this is my tribe and this is where I want to be so you know I felt like if I was going to continue to work this would be the environment I wanted to be in because I felt like our values aligned so much really interesting okay so um high school dropout you were encouraged by your amazing husband to go back to school um I think you told me uh, recently that Gaston College saved your life. Yes. Tell us, tell us a little bit about your experience at Gaston College and what sort of, um, what, how you feel that that may have prepared you for your future college experiences and, and maybe what you're doing now too. I think the most important thing they did was rebuild my confidence in myself Okay. because I felt like I had failed by quitting school. Mm-hmm. And that was never a question when I was at Gaston College. They encouraged me to continue. Uh, when I tested out of classes, they con- encouraged me to continue on and make sure that I got my associate's degree. Mm-hmm. There was an amazing counselor that sat down with me and said, what's your passion? What would you really like to do? And I said, I want to work with kids. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just yep. who I am as a person. And so at that point, then she encouraged me to go into either social work or something along that line. So I did get all the prerequisites there. And that's what I try to tell students here. If you don't feel like you're prepared to go to a four-year univer- university, you can go to a small community college and get the credentials you need to transfer in. So then when I got my two-year degree, I was speaking with a professor and he said, so where do you go from here? And I said, I think I'm finished. He said, I don't think you are. And I said, but I don't have SAT scores. I don't have all these things that I needed for my junior and senior year from high school. Right. He said, you have an amazing GPA. He said, the worst thing that can happen is you're told no. He said, start applying to universities. So mm-hmm. I applied to four universities and was accepted at all four. And the thing I really wish I had known before is that there's so much money available if you want to go to school. Mm -hmm. There's scholarships, there's grants, there's all kinds of things to encourage you to go. And that's what Gaston College did for me. It showed me that I could do it, that there was a way, and they supported me in doing that. Mm -hmm. You need This is like a Gaston College commercial. Uh, It's awesome. Actually, Um, the president has asked me before if I would tell my story, but (laughs) as you know, I'm nervous about it because I don't want to, to... Uh, I don't want it to sound like I'm promoting dropping out because I'm not. And I tell the students how hard it was for me and the things they miss as far as the social aspect of it, their proms and the trips and things that they get to take in that fellowship and community they have the last two years. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, I think it's, it's important to share stories like yours and, and to, to, to talk about it because, my life experience is not your life experience. Mm-hmm. It's not the same as any of our students or families' life experiences. And there's not one right college, one right path necessarily. 
and everybody has to has to figure it out on their own and and make the make the most of their experiences and our experiences will help to make us the people that we are today. But I also think I'm a commercial for education, but I, mm-hmm. because I feel like if you're in poverty, that's a way to get out of poverty Yep. and you continue with your passion and find what it is that you like and the money comes. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's uh, great words of advice. Um, and you can confirm that you are not a paid advertiser for Gaston College, correct? I am not a paid advertiser <laughs> for Gaston or Lincoln Charter, but I do brag on Lincoln Charter every chance I get. Yep. Well, um, we appreciate that, uh, and and I know I know the it's it's also pretty. We'll talk about your your role as a counselor here in a minute, but it's it has to be really gratifying to you to be directing our students towards Gaston in their during high school years and sort of knocking some of that stuff out that is that, that can be really helpful and and can be a really can be a, a um uh, a trampoline a boomerang a uh you know like like catapulting them into um a successful college and hopefully career life um after Lincoln Charter and also, while we were having the college fair, I was very proud to say I went to Belmont Abbey. This, mm-hmm. And this is how that campus worked with me. And these are the things that I appreciated about this. Yep. I also went to Gardner-Webb. Right. This is what you would like about that. I got my administrative licensure at Appalachian so I can talk about my Appalachian experience. So I'm very thankful that even though I took kind of a broken road to get where I am, that I've had those experiences so that I can tell the students I've been there and this is this is what you need to know. And this is what you'll benefit from by going to this particular college. Right. Right. So it's not just Gaston, it's college in general. For sure. Me. Just- yeah. yeah, that's great. So tell us if you could share with us a little bit about the, um, your experience at Belmont Abbey and then your experience at Gardner Webb and, and then app if you, if you're, um, sure. if you'd like and sort of how, um, like like any advice that you would have for our students as they're considering any of those institutions, um, how they were different, obviously undergrad versus graduate is different as a different experience and you're older and your life has changed and things of that nature. But if you could just give us a little bit of uh, a peek into those um, institutions a little bit in your experiences there, please. What I appreciated much, most about Belmont Abbey was they actually called me and invited me to come in so we could discuss how I might go to college as an adult. Because by that time, you know, I have children. Mm-hmm. I've already had some work experience and I was working full time. Mm-hmm. So um, I also worked at Gaston College in security because one of my previous occupations was a deputy sheriff. So I had that experience as well. Mm-hmm. So um, at Belmont Abbey, they when I very first went on the campus, it was a small campus. It they, it was very inviting. I met Father Arthur, explained what my situation was. And for me, the size of the campus was important to me. And the way they worked with me it, with my classes, I'd go to school during the day and then I worked eight hour shift at night. Mm-hmm. So they were very accommodating as far as my classes during the day. Also, I could I actually slept in my car between my morning classes and my afternoon classes. I literally had a professor that knocked on the window to wake me up as she went into class because of taking care of my family, working full time, going to school full time. Wow. So there That's was awesome. a lot of things on campus that um, the students really enjoy doing. If you are into sports, there's so many clubs you can join. So I felt like 
Belmont Abbey was a good experience for me, but it would also be for a student coming straight out of high school into college. When I decided to get my master's degree, the thing that I was most impressed with with Gardner-Webb is you could also get your EDS. If you went through the master's program, then you also left with the EDS because they were KCREP accredited. So their credentials was what drew me there because I wanted to be the best counselor I could be. Mm -hmm. One of the things they required us to do that I didn't want to do at the time, but I appreciate it, is they had us go through counseling ourselves so that we could feel that experience from the other side. Okay. And that helped me to know how uncomfortable it can be to start asking people about their personal business. Mm -hmm. And so it directed the approach I take with counseling today. The first thing I do is I want to get to know the student as a person. And then those other things we can discuss, but I want them to know I care about who they are, not just fixing whatever problem they might bring to me. And that's been just very insurmountable to making my my counseling career successful is getting to know the students and where they are and what they need. Mm -hmm. Because as we talked, your background's different than mine, but I have to be able to approach any student with whatever background they bring to me. Yeah, tell us a little bit more about that, you going through counseling as part of your training. Yes, um, they require that of every counselor mm -hmm. so that you don't bring your things into counseling sessions. If there's something that maybe you've not dealt with personally, I appreciate that. Mm -hmm. But also so that you can actually see the counseling in action. So then you can develop what you want as your counseling style. I like Rogerian. I like the CBT style, mm -hmm. which means nothing to anyone outside the counseling profession, Right. but it helps me to see how it actually works in real time. So that was a good experience for me. Very good. And then app. Um, I was working at, um, Asbury Alternative, and it's now Asbury Academy, and our principal would have to be out of the building some. Mm -hmm. And so they needed an administrator inside the building during that time. So I was able to go to Appalachian and do an administrative add-on, a licensure add-on, and it was based partly on my master's degree, and then I took other classes like education law and those types of things so that I could actually act as an administrator while our principal was out of the building. And I really enjoyed that. I did my internship at Lincolnton High School, and that was quite an eye-opening experience because that's a large school. Mm -hmm. But I enjoyed it, but my heart was still in counseling. Yeah. That's still where I, you know, my passion. So tell us a little bit about the advice that you would have for any of our families, students, et cetera, about college as they're maybe applying, maybe looking to that experience in, in the future. What's, what's good advice for, uh, coming from somebody who's had the opportunity to be in four institutions? So time management would be one thing that I would advise our students to consider, making sure they are working on their assignments in a timely manner because they're not going to be able to enjoy the social aspect of college if they have not completed those assignments. Right. Also, they're not going to enjoy the leniency they may have had in high school when it's due, it's due in college. Right. The other thing is that you need to make sure you understand how to take notes, either learn to take notes, learn to carry a recorder, Make sure that you have study groups that you meet with regularly. And I think that those two things helped me more than anything is learning time management and how to take notes, how to keep up with my class assignments. Yeah. Yeah. And I think one thing that we um, we try to do as a college prep school is exposing and sort of directing students to take notes in a variety of different ways, because if you go, I love that point. Um, 
because if you go and look at anyone's notes in the building, adult wise, everybody has their own little system. And so that like the exposure that we're hopefully giving to our students is helping them to develop their style and their like what works for their brain, what works for their organizational skills and as they develop and all that stuff. So I, th I think that's really uh, that's a great point. I think that's where our counseling <clears throat> team rocks is because we are trying to teach those skills as well. Mm -hmm. we're, we're trying to enhance what the classroom teachers are saying, but we're also going in and doing some classroom guidance and pushing into different classes to say, you know, maybe color coded is best for you with different colored ink pens or bullets are best or whatever, whatever works for you. Right. But I think that because the teachers are working with them and then we as a counseling team are supporting that, I think that we are helping them to develop some really good habits. Yeah, that's great. Tell us, um, a little bit about your, you mentioned uh, some previous jobs and careers and you, you worked in law enforcement. I'm, a little bit, I'm interested in what uh, what that looked like and, and how that sort of also maybe have contributed to how you are the, the person and counselor that you are today. The best job I've ever had is being a mom. So I'm not going to downplay that at all. <laughs> being a mom has been the best job ever. And um, I think it's prepared me for a lot of things in life as well. But uh, I was in law enforcement. I worked as a deputy sheriff. I did um, like magistrate summons, those kinds of things. But I also became a detective and worked with crimes against women and children. And I became a sexual assault expert so that when children are trying to testify, I helped them through that process, mm -hmm. not by putting words in their mouth, but giving them the space and the ability to be able to express what had happened to them, to them also with the women as well. And that was an amazing career. And it taught me a lot about human nature. And a lot of times I saw the worst side of human nature, but also everybody has a story. And mm -hmm. that helps me when I work with students and adults in the building, everybody has their story and you have to develop that empathy and you have to be able to look at their perspective on things. So working at the sheriff's department really helped me develop my counseling skills even because you want the students to be comfortable with you, but you also have to know uh, questioning techniques that does not lead. Mm -hmm. So that was a really amazing experience for me. Being a classroom teacher was a good experience because that little classroom's your family and you really make those community connections and you get to know the students so well. And that's one thing that I love about Lincoln Charter is the sense of community I feel here and the way the students know my name and I know their name. And it's like, we are a part of a family. Mm -hmm. So those careers, I think, led me to where I needed to be. And I feel like I'm where I'm supposed to be and it gets better every day. So it's a great, that's a great testimony. Um, and I'm sure, I'm sure some of that law enforcement experience had to play into your, um, desire and passion for child advocacy yes. and just just everybody does have a story we have we don't know what each student or family is going through each morning when they walk into the school and there's a there's a lot of there's a lot of opportunity for quality educators to have a big impact on on our community i was also a guardian ad litem mm -hmm. and i worked with uh, families that were going through the court system and that helped me to see both sides of the story so when I work with students I'm also working with those families and so you have to have a balance of what the perception of the child is and 
what the parents say is really going on, you know, so it helps you to work with the whole family and the whole child. Right. Tell for those that might not be familiar with the guardian ad litem program, can you give us a little bit of a sense of what, what that is and what, what it does? It's an adult in the community that um, is sworn in before a judge to um, be an advocate for a child that is going through maybe social services. Maybe they have been adjudicated by the court system. Uh, they've maybe stolen or run away or something like that. Mm-hmm. And so basically your job is to, is to dig down and see what's going on with that child mm-hmm. and how that child can be best helped either with family services or services in the community. So you actually go to the school and check on their grades and see how they're doing at school. And you also go to the court uh, case with them in court day and support them while they're actually testifying or decisions are being made about their life. So you're just an advocate for that child. That's great. Is, is, and I know we have uh, a number of other, some staff members, board, former board members that have been active within that, which is which is super important. What's if anybody's interested in getting involved with guardian ad litem? Do you, it, um, I, what's I, the I, what's the process? If I'm not mistaken, I went to the I called the DA's office and they told me what the process would be. And at the time, there's um, the lady's name was Anne. I'm not sure who has that position now, but mm-hmm. there was actually a guardian ad litem office in the courthouse. I'm sure that there's some information online. If, if Absolutely, that, that, I'm sorry that I'm drawing a blank, but I, we have some great organizations in the county that that are uh, very interested in. I mean, their their whole jobs are child advocacy and just making sure that we're doing everything that we can to protect kids and, and react to, you know, unfortunate situations in the best way possible to help kids uh, navigate through. I'm also acting as chairperson of the Lincoln County Coalition. And what that coalition does is it provides resources in from the community so that we know what's available for families that are in need. And it we partner with mental health, we partner with tobacco uh, abstinence programs. Mm-hmm. Uh, we discuss human trafficking, all these things. So I'm very excited to be a part of that coalition so that I know what the resources are. And our counselors here actually are members of that coalition as well. So there are a lot of programs for child advocacy. Yep. Yeah, that's great. Well, we appreciate your entire life and, and many, and I have said this to a number of other guests, your entire life has been about service and it really is uh, we just want to express appreciation for your leadership in that group and for just making sure that we're all coordinated in our efforts to do the right thing. Ms. Harkey, tell us a little bit about what a counselor does at Lincoln Charter. Every day is different. Um, I do individual counseling sessions. We do group counseling. We do classroom guidance. Some of us are 504 coordinators, so we uh, coordinate the 504 plans for our students. Mm-hmm. Every day is different. As I said, we may have a crisis situation where a student may be thinking about cutting or you know, taking their life. So we connect those families with resources in the community. For the most part, my job is basically building relationships with the students. Uh, this past month, I've actually done career development plans with the 10th graders. So I've met individually with each of the 10th graders and we've talked about what kind of dream job they would like to have or career. And then we talk about those goals to get there. What colleges are you thinking about? We talk about what a transcript looks like. What's a GPA? How do you calculate a GPA? What are 
what our college is looking for from students. And even though they're 10th grade, we're already building that foundation so that they feel like they have a direction that, you know, they're, high school experience is taking mm -hmm. a lot of the time it is maybe meeting with teachers and, and discussing student behavior and how we might help the student adjust in class. So more of our job is like the band-aid 15 minute sessions versus therapy, but we are a liaison with outside communities such as support mm -hmm. so that they do need more therapy than what we're able to provide during the day. Then we connect those families with outside support. Right. Is it too simple? to say that your job is sort of two buckets, social, emotional, mental health, well-being, and then the college piece, those yes. two. Is that, yes, it is, is. that a good that way to... Well, that we are concerned about academics, but mostly my day is filled with social, emotional. And if if that learning takes place, then it's easier to work with the college prep and, you know, talking about their future. So, yes, I would say. And for me personally, as the 10th grade counselor, I go into the classrooms and we do college prep activities. We do career interest inventories. We talk about FAFSA. We are doing um, our CFNC.org logins and looking at different jobs and what that entails. We're doing... Um, also, like occupation genograms, where they talk to their family members, they talk to neighbors about their jobs and what they like about it, what they don't like about it, so that they can get a feel for maybe a, a career they're interested in. It's uh, in some ways, it's easier to describe what you don't do than it is to, to describe everything that you that you do. I do whatever's needed at the time. Sure. I feel like a counselor's job is very flexible, but I feel like we're the heart of the school. Yeah, yeah. It's and I'm I'm really encouraged that we've been able to continue to expand what we do from a counseling perspective at school and we're very blessed to have a social worker now yes. we're very blessed to have a lot of really qualified just great people that are part of that department that are helping in a lot of different ways um and so i also think that that administration and the community realized what impact COVID had on our students. And we saw a lot of situations with mental health stress during the COVID pandemic and also the fallout afterwards. So I really admire the fact that our administration saw that need and stepped up and said, you know, we need to meet this need for our school to function mm -hmm. as we wanted to, because without that social emotional piece, the academics can't happen. Yeah, that's that. Yeah, hundred percent. And we're still getting our arms around the all of the impacts i think I and think so too. it's uh it's a it's a challenge we're up for but it's yeah. it, it's a challenge nonetheless one of the things i don't think we've mentioned is your heritage and you have an aspect of your lineage that is unique to our school community in, in a lot of ways so if you can speak about your american indian uh, the, that part of your genealogy, if you could. I'm very proud to be part of the Eastern Band of the Cherokee Nation. My grandmother was full-blooded Cherokee. She married a Caucasian, so there's blue eyes in the family. But <laughs> my mother, in her later years after my father passed away, moved to Tahlequah, which is the Cherokee Nation, Oklahoma, and lived there for 14 years. Wow. So there is a very strong um, attachment to the heritage that I have. And again, I'm proud to be Native American. 
Um, part of what I appreciated from my grandmother is that she taught me Native American ways, cooking. We learned Native American tales. She took care of me and she was my caregiver when I was small. Mm -hmm. So um, she helped me to understand what that meant and the difference between the society we were living in and what she wanted me to keep as part of my heritage. And I'm very thankful for that. Several of the things that she taught me is the respect of the land, mm -hmm. the uh, respect for community. And also, you know, there's such a competition in our society today. In Native American world, you want everybody to win. So there's a lot of cooperation and things that happen even in the games. There's not really a winner. It's we are playing together. So for me, that's how I feel in my life is, you know, we're trying to walk this journey together. How can we best do it? So that type of heritage has been important for me. There's a lot of pictures of me as a young girl where I had um, the long black braids and Native American garb. Mm -hmm. um, there's uh, one room in my house that's completely devoted to the uh, things that my grandmother passed down. I have a papoose. I have drums. I have all kinds of things that are Native American related. So uh, that one room is history for my granddaughters. Mm -hmm. We also traveled to Oklahoma with both granddaughters so that they could learn about Native American life. And there they found out, you know, that it's matriarchal, which was, you know, pretty interesting for them. And the day we actually went to this museum, they were having a party for someone that was leaving that job. And so they invited our family to eat because we were family. Mm -hmm. So that was really amazing for my granddaughters because they ate the Native American food. They were around other people that look like us and act like us and think like us. And so that was so important for us to be able to share that heritage. And they took us out to see the actual um, uh, huts that they lived in and talked to the girls about the games that were played. There were no other visitors at the museum that day. So they got a complete tour, just my two granddaughters. So that was just amazing for us. Very cool. That's, uh, um, that's really interesting. The, you said respect for the, the earth, uh, community and, uh, sort of collaboration. Yes. Those are the three sort of things that you said, right. Um, and that's, uh, very different than some of the societal uh, influences that we have nowadays. Well, there's an honor for Mother Earth. We try to do our best to give back. And another thing that we appreciate is the animal life. Mm -hmm. So for me, I'm a nature girl, I guess, because mm -hmm. of that Native American blood that flows through my veins. I saw a bumper sticker uh, recently, I think, that said there's no planet B. Um Plan, you know, that's true. No, there's that's no true. no plan B for the planet. There is not. So there is not. That is sometimes in our desire to make money and have a career and all the things that can take away from some of the some of the enjoyable parts of life. We can lose sight of that. I try to think of what legacy am I leaving? Mm -hmm. You know, I have children, and someday they have grandchildren. What am I leaving for them? Mm -hmm. So. And tell me about the uh, collaborative uh, aspect of the Cherokee culture and, and you mentioned games and sort of like ever, like how that sort of is seen in the community. So if you are looking for food, then you're working together. You're not competing against one another. So basically it even goes into my law enforcement background of brotherhood and you have the other person's back. So basically mm -hmm. you're working for a common goal. So that collaboration is everybody does their part, mm -hmm. but we are all working together for a common goal. For example, although the women were leaders in the tribe, they also were the ones that did a lot of the sewing, cooking, those kinds of things. Mm -hmm. 
the young males were brought up to be men. So it's a difference in the way that they approached society as a whole. Everybody was looking out for one another, even the games. The games were working together and you were just as excited for another person winning a point as you would be for yourself. So it was more of that brotherhood feel. Less less uh, focus on the individual and more, and more on, on the, the community. community. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's great. Well, lots of uh, lots of lessons that I think we maybe as a society have have forgotten or that are maybe don't get the emphasis that they deserve. So there was so not a lot of waste in the Cherokee community either. Like if you did kill a deer, you use every part of the deer. Right. And um, I think we've lost that in our society because we have a throwaway society and an instant, we want instant gratification. And so we've lost a lot of that. We are very blessed with full landfills and uh, polluted oceans, um, unfortunately. unfortunately. So that, yes. that is, uh, that's part of America that hopefully we can all make a little bit of a difference in. Is there anyone that you would like to mention that you would see as a hero or a mentor? And no, you don't have to say me, of course. <laughs> Growing up, I would say it was my fourth grade teacher, Mrs. Ford. Okay. She completely changed my life. Um, she saw me as a person for the first time in school, I felt recognized. And I always felt odd at school because my older brother taught me to read and to write before I went to school. So when I started school, I felt like the other kids there was something wrong with them. Mm -hmm. And so when I got to Mrs. Ford, she recognized that. And she worked with me as an individual. The other thing she did, my mother had been in an accident. My, my dad was having his own issues. And so I came to school one day and my hair had not been brushed. Mm -hmm. And she sent her students out, the rest of the class out with a neighboring teacher to the playground. And she brushed my hair and told me what a beautiful, wonderful person I was. And she allowed me to be like the lead in our play for that year. And by her having faith in me and believing in me and encouraging me, it set my life on a different trajectory for the rest of my life because I found somebody else that found worth in me. And that's what I needed. I needed somebody to think I was worth saving and Mrs. Ford did. And I think that's what led me to go into education is because I wanted to be like Mrs. Ford when I grew up. I wanted to be encouraging and I wanted kids to see their worth, even adults. I feel like that that was one of the greatest things she imparted to me. Well, you've arrived, so you got it. <laughs> Do uh, did did uh, did Mrs. Ford uh, did she know the I'm just curious if she knew the impact that she had on you. As an adult, I went back to Mrs. Ford and told her what she had meant to me. And then she told me her side of the story that she was unable to have children and that she would have loved to have had me as her child. And even as an adult, it still strikes me in the heart that, you know, she could care about me to mm -hmm. that extent. Well, I, I, I feel like we have a school full of adults who are, have a lot of that same drive and drive and passion. So I agree. That's why I enjoy being here. Yeah. Is there anything you have read recently that you would recommend? Absolutely. The hate you give. I wish I had read that book many years ago because it gave me such a different perspective on things. Uh, at our school, we are really working on being better with diversity, inclusion, equity. Mm -hmm. And so I have expanded my reading to include some of those books. And so I read The Hate You Give, and it just gave me such an insight as to what it's like to be an African-American male. Mm -hmm. And I wish I had known that before because it helped me to look different at my practice as a counselor. And then the books that followed Concrete Rose, 
uh, Dear Martin, Dear Justice. So those books have really impacted me in the last few weeks. Okay, that's great. I, uh, I'm hesitating to ask that question because I am personally getting so many good book recommendations and I, uh, um, we all need to make time to read and I'm yes. glad, that, glad that you are. Yes. Um, but I, that's one thing I'm struggling with myself is, uh, just scheduling good time to read and making sure to curl up with a good book. Self-care. Uh, yep, absolutely. Um, is there any music that you are listening to or a song that you can't get out of your head right now? I know this is like corny, but I love the song happy. So I think that kind of personifies how mm -hmm. I feel about life. You know, I did have a tough life growing up, but it's so great now. How can I not be happy all the time? <laughs> you know, and I, I, I think that that might have been who I was, but it's not who I am now. Mm -hmm. And like I said before, I love where I am and it gets better every day. So and Miss Kelly has me listening to 80s music. So some of that sticks in my head, whether I want it to or not. So yeah, that's the music that's floating in my head right now. Well, that's uh, that's good. That's um, your your uh, positive attitudes infectious. So that that makes a makes a big difference for our whole community. So, but happy. I if I would have predicted a song, that probably would have been on my uh, top top five list for you. Any? Uh, oh, I, I know one question I want to ask you. Where where's the best place to eat in this area? I like fats. Okay. And fast food, I love Wendy's, but Fats is a really good place because you can sit down with your family, you can sit down with your friends and just relax and enjoy yourself. Good, good recommendation. Thank you. Um, I didn't tell you I'm a chicken person. You, you we did not talk about that yet. I'm definitely to, a crazy chicken lady. Talk, talk, well, there's some would argue that that's better than a, than cats. True, um, but, true. but, you know, that's, but I, that's I, all I the to, door. It goes back to living off the land. I absolutely love mm -hmm. my chickens. So things that people might not know about me is that I'm a yep. crazy chicken lady and that I have 30 plus chickens and I collect eggs and I really enjoy it as a hard a hobby for me. I think the chickens are funny. Mm -hmm. They have personalities. They know certain words, which, you know, they have a very small brain. So that's amazing to me <laughs> when I drive in, you know, from work of an afternoon, it doesn't matter what kind of day I've had my chickens run to greet me. Mm -hmm. So that's a lot of fun. So, and then I have boxer dogs on the inside of the house that cannot meet the chickens on the outside. So that's interesting as well. But yes, I'm a crazy chicken lady. So that may be something our listeners wouldn't know about me. I appreciate you mentioning that there are many of us that benefit from your chickens and that, uh, I love to give. So yeah. that's nice that I can. Yeah. Which is, which is awesome. And it's a great, um, that's a great aspect of you and your, your sort of giving nature and generosity. And so, well, Miss Harkey, I really want to thank you for your time. Thank you. It I've was a pleasure to get to know you a little bit better. I, Feel like i do know you pretty well but i did learn some things and so i hope that our listeners learned a little bit as well um i really appreciate your infectious smile your positive spirit and you help to make us better every day and i really mean that so thank you thank you for what you do and thank you for all that you do to support not just our students because you certainly do that but you support our families and our staff as well and thank you for that uh, thank you to our listeners for tuning into this episode. We'll look forward to future episodes. This is Jonathan Bryant signing off. I want to thank all of our listeners and subscribers for taking the time to listen to the Edge of the Aerie. Like everything at Lincoln Charter, it takes a great team to make this podcast happen. The Edge of the Aerie is produced by Jonathan Bryant and Taylor Helms. 
and Ms. Helms is also our senior editor. Graphics and artwork are by Melissa Lasarski, and our music is brought to you by Next Mike, who you may also know as Michael Paulino Albin. Our team uses the free Anchor app to create each episode, which is found at anchor.fm. You can listen to this podcast on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, and Stitcher. Feel free to rate or review the podcast. It may help others to discover this content. This is Jonathan Bryant signing off until next time.